4: David Richards, thank you for coming to Savvy Broadcasting life on Script. I'm so grateful to have you here today. We're going to talk about life challenges and how you can change your life for the better. We got talking just before the interview here about some of the life changes you've come through with just some of the things you've you've touched on from your professional life as a coach, yoga instructor, your fascination with quantum physics as is my also fascination with that, and also you've, your wonderful books you've written that, you know, like the Lighthouse Keeper, a great one for uh, the Character really getting in touch with their mind and how it can transform your world. And officer in the Marines, how did that also um, affect how you learned and grew in the world? Uh, But before we go to share some of you, you know, how we can get through life challenges, because there are a heck of a lot of them the past two years, share uh, what even prompted you to become a writer? Because you've written out your third book, Love Letters to a. Yeah, go. uh,
1: Yeah, sorry. So the third book, Love Letters to the Virgin Mary, yeah, yeah. Uh, just came out this past week. But um, I grew up in the military. So my dad was in the Marines, and it's a very different lifestyle. So we moved around every two or three years. And it was fascinating because this was well before the age of the Internet. This was in the prehistoric ages. So you'd become friends with someone, but then you would leave, and you'd never see that people those people again. And so that developed in me a very – keen reluctance on getting close to people. I would I would s- certainly throw myself into friendships. And then as the time got close to moving again, I'd realize the pain that was going to come from, okay, now we're saying goodbye again. Mm. And so for me, my imagination and creativity was one constant that I could kind of hold on to despite all these uprooting and shifting around in, in our uh, family life. And mm. that led me to comic books, which... Um, you know, back in the 70s and 80s was uh just a, a fun vehicle to escape. Mm-hmm. And as I got into high school, I, I always kind of had to, I was romantic, so I loved writing poetry initially. And then and when I got into high school, English was my favorite subject. I got poetry that won contests. Mm-hmm. I had a short story that received national recognition mm-hmm. in a magazine, it got published in a North Carolina magazine. And that was really where my, I found my calling. I love Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Stephen King and envision myself as a writer. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know, in the military, you're sort of insulated. It's a very, it's a very mm-hmm. different environment than being out in the civilian world. I've come to appreciate. And I didn't have a sense of a world perspective, even though we lived in Japan for a few years, but I didn't have a sense of what it meant to be a writer. And so lacking kind of the confidence to step forward into that world. I became a Marine and Mm -hmm. I was in the Marines for 15 years coming out of college. Um, about 10 years into my career, I became a writer. I started writing poetry again. I had a boss who painted Mm -hmm. and in the Marine Corps, you just did not see people who had kind of an artistic side that they shared. Um, so when I found a boss that painted, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I wrote a poem based on Mm -hmm. a painting that he had in his office and it was really cool and special. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got to a point in my career where I realized kind of the blueprint that I was using for my life was my dad's life because he'd been in for 31 years. Mm. So I ventured to this made the decision to get out of the Marines, fell in love with yoga, and more importantly, I got to a place where I knew I could be potentially staying in the same city or town for years. I didn't have to move again. And and that was so exciting to me because that opened me up to the possibility of becoming a writer and mm. I started working probably a year and a half into my civilian world career uh, on my first book that didn't, or my attempted a first book and it took me 11 years really to get to my first book finally.
4: Wow. Yeah. It's a long project, Ar- arduous. I-, I just finished my first book in uh, March, 2020. It was 11 years from the moment oh, I had okay. the okay. idea. <laughs> so it is a long process. Was it really hard switching from a very um, structured world um, to the civilian world for you?
1: It really was, and mm-hmm. honestly, growing up in the military, you like every you re- realize even as a dependent, a military brat, so to speak. Everybody's in the same universe. Like all my dad's friends were Marines. For the most part, if they weren't, they were foreign officers who were coming to visit and, and in our schools or something. But that is a very different perspective. And then all I did was trade growing up that way to doing that for a living for fifteen years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I remember. When I made the decision to get out in 2006, it was scary because I knew that I was venturing into a world that I had no real appreciation or understanding of. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, and just, you know, universal coincidence, my first weekend that I was off active duty, I went to my first yoga class and that kind of led me on that. That was a, a if you will, or Uh kind of a sedative to help me make the transition. But it was because, as you said, the Marine Corps in particular is very structured, tons of rules and regulations. And in the civilian world, it's it's just a different life. Yeah. And I probably, for the first five or six years of getting out, every weekend I would kind of do a mental em- inventory of what happened during that week mm-hmm. and how it compared to what I do in the military. And gradually over time, I just I came to realize that um, – not that it was a free-for-all in the civilian world, but there was more <laughs> – License expression. for expression and yeah, a little more creativity. Yeah. And you could paint outside the lines a little bit than you could in the <laughs> military, so to speak.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And we talked a little bit about, you know, some of your passions from childhood. And now I, I'm guessing what pulled you towards yoga. And then you talked about, you know, we both talked about our, our fascination with the quantum world, which is the world of possibilities and, and non physicality. Um, Was that always inside of you that just started once you were out of that structured world, you were able to pull out of you and and be more of that being?
1: What influenced me was when I was 10 years old, we moved to Japan for three years, Mm -hmm. and we lived on the island of Okinawa. And being exposed to Eastern philosophy, especially being raised in a very kind of conventional Judeo-Christian mindset, um, being exposed to Eastern philosophy was fascinating to me. And just... Mm -hmm. Getting inculcated and in exposure to the Japanese people, their culture was tremendous, and I really kind of became enamored with the samurai mindset, Bushido, and this way mm-hmm. of the warrior path that uh, had existed in Japan for you know millennia. Um, so when I brought that back, it was weird because I was you know even in the military I was. You know, I remember two people in my class had probably had that similar experience where they lived in Japan. Everybody else had always been in America all the time and just didn't have that perspective. And so it was weird to kind of find a way to fit that in. But I also started by the time I was 13 or 14, I started trying to meditate because Mm -hmm. that's something I took away from my time in Japan was this Mm -hmm. idea that there was something inside to connect to and use as a compass or navigation device for your life. Um, when I made the transition into the Marines, a lot of it initially was focusing on learning what it meant to be an officer and to lead people. Mm -hmm. I was in Somalia as part of Operation Restore Hope. Mm -hmm. But even then I would kind of use a, almost a self-hypnosis kind of, I didn't really call it meditation, but almost a self-hypnosis to kind of find some stillness and calmness in my body.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I, I didn't have a regular meditation practice. Mm -hmm. But just that idea of something beyond the material, physical, world, and body was always yeah. with me. And yeah. as I got into yoga, yoga was kind of the splash yeah. into my consciousness to really get into, okay, what is what is the deeper meaning? What is the greater purpose that I have?
4: Well, you know, it's interesting, David. I think uh, a lot of the Eastern philosophies and, and like you said but, Ushido, you know, um, Japanese warrior honor, could totally be used as a Marine. Like if you were to get in touch with with those things, it would make you a greater warrior, actually, I I would think. Um,
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting what ended up happening um, probably about 10 years ago, especially after the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. was someone created a program called Yoga Warriors, and it Mm. was focused on people who had experienced PTSD, certainly veterans, but also people, if they'd been in hurricanes or mm-hmm. tornadoes or that kind of devastation, mm-hmm. could go to this. And I know some of the I, – I used to teach some of it, and we had students who would come in from the military and then go back and teach that to their Marines or soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love what you said because
2: mm-hmm.
1: there is a warrior ethos in the Marines. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily – it's not channeled the same way as Bushido, for example, but there is, there is a parallelism there. And certainly I found that in the Marines and in my experience, some of the more um, arduous special forces like the green berets or seals or that kind of thing, there is, there is something deeper, but I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's a powerful guidance system because oftentimes, especially in the Marines where we really empower lower level people who don't have a lot of rank to make decisions that could be life and death, you want them to have an internal compass that's gonna help them make the right decision.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Now we're getting to the juicy part of challenges of life. Now, whether you've been in active uh, forces or just a general business owner or worker bee, these have been challenging times for everyone. And uh, you know, I know with your vast experience, I you can start to give some insights to people on how they can transverse Some of the difficult times people are still going through. What has been some of the greatest um, ahas you can pull from all of your experiences from being an officer, to being a writer, to a yoga instructor? What has helped you through some of the challenging times?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest things is seeing the world the way it is. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we all have a set of values and beliefs, and those values and beliefs guide how we interact with people and how we perceive the world. And sometimes those beliefs are limiting and they put blinders on us. So when I say see the world for what it is, what I'm really saying is you kind of have to accept the world as it is. We have 8 billion people on the planet. There are 7,000 languages. There Mm -hmm. are people with various backgrounds, cultural beliefs, religious beliefs, whatever. And none of them is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. You just kind of have to see and accept the way things are. And when you do that, what happens is you realize all you need is within you now to make a shift or positive contribution to yourself and to others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so seeing the world the way it is, the next step from that is seeing the world better than it is. because if you have an idea or a vision of how you want to contribute to people and how you want to make a change in your own life, you have to have an idea, a better vision of what that life could be. And I kind of I'd like to invoke Gandhi, who said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So if you mm-hmm. want, to see world peace, then you have to embody what Mm. that means for you. Mm -hmm. But when you, a lot of times what I see people struggle with is they're trying to control the external world Mm. and that recipe for frustration. And I'm also one who I I preach, be careful of what you tune into on the internet because (laughs) mental, (laughs) well, mental nutrition is just as important as dietary nutrition Mm -hmm. and
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on.
2: Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: And if you, you know, I look at if you go to news channel A, for example, and you say, mm-hmm. This is the real world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well, you're getting one company's view of the real world. And that company is a business, and Mm -hmm. they are looking to make money. And the way they make money is to keep people coming and clicking on their website. Mm -hmm. If you go to news channel A without going to news channel B, which has a different perspective, you're only getting one perspective. And that's just, again, a recipe for frustration. So I'm really mindful of what I digest from the internet. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to own my power. And when you own your power, that's how you can make a positive shift in contribution.
4: Well, I love where we're going here because one of the things that was most frustrating for me when, um, the whole pandemic started is I was in New York City and we were like, okay, lockdown, stay in your house, you're non-essential. And I'm the type of person that I need to be around people. I, I, um, I expand as a person when I'm around people and to tell me to stay in your four walls of your teeny apartment. I'm like, <gasps> what (laughs) not working very well for me. So I spent a good portion of time angry at the world and at at all the organizations or peeps that were kind of, you know, pushing forth this, this, agenda or whatever. And I was like, no, this is horrible. I got to see people. You know, even walking my dogs Some neighbors are like, you're not essential. Get back inside. I'm like, he's not pooping in the house people. Uh, but so that was really, really challenging for me because I'm like, why is everyone feeding into this, this fear? I'm like, if we get sick, we get sick. I want to, I want to breathe fresh air. I want to see real people. And so as I got angrier and angrier at people, you know, feeding into this and what's going through the news cycle. And, and by the way, for the past 25, 30 years, I just don't watch news. I figure if it's important enough, people around me will tell me what's going on. Um, sure. But what ended up happening is that through my anger, because I had no, nothing to do but to deal with it, I, I started to channel, channel it inward and say, okay, where, where can I start to better myself, my health, my being? And I started to spend more time chilling, relaxing, taking longer walks with myself away from everyone and exercising and paying attention to what I was eating and stuff like that. And I lost 50 pounds, I was near diabetes, that's gone. Um, and then people around me started seeing the transformation and said, what are you doing? Uh, you're inspiring to me. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I didn't even notice notice that anyone noticed what I was doing. Um, but I realized that see what you're talking about here is you can get angry and just stay in that, or you can see how can I make this better? And I was glad that I had that pause to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm angry now. What am I going to do about it?
1: Yeah. Well, and really it's it's a beautiful takeaway. I know I, I struggled during the pandemic because of just working on my next book on the the (laughs) love letters, because it was. One, it wasn't the direction I thought it was going to go initially when I first started it in October of 2019. And then as as, as the story started to unfold for me and I figured I was grappling with how to write it, Mm -hmm. um, the enormity of it really set in on me. And especially during the pandemic, like like you said, the isolation and this Mm -hmm. huge shift in how the world was operating was big. And I fell into bad habits. And (laughs) after the first year, I realized, okay... I need to make a change. And so Mm. I stopped drinking. I hired a nutritionist. I lost 15 pounds. My energy skyrocketed. And I realized, oh my gosh, I love cooking for myself instead Mm. of microwaving everything or ordering (laughs) out because it's so fulfilling to go grocery shopping for myself. And Mm. it's so fulfilling to cook for myself and bake for myself because I appreciate the labor that goes into it. And that makes eating it that much more rewarding. And oh, by the way, Because I was eating really holistically and healthy, just the transformation that I went physically, mentally, my thoughts became cleaner. It was this huge transformation. And it just takes us back to whatever emotion or energy we feel, it's up to us to address it and deal with it and channel it into something positive.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I love that channeling it into something positive. You can feel like you're a victim of the circumstances or you can change yep. it and say, what can I do with this, uh, lemonade as it yeah. were? And, uh, you know, cause honestly, I found that, you know, I, I was blessed as many didn't have a job that my job could be done from anywhere. So honestly, we, we moved to another state. Uh, it's more nature oriented. So I'm getting more. Fresh air and, and, and whatever. So there's a lot of positives that actually can come about from these times if you just shift your perspective. Um, were there anything else that really helped you transverse the challenges or, or suggestions you can give to our audience who maybe are still going through it? I think the more challenging, um, spaces might be where it's kind of cities where you're all on top of each other and maybe there's still a lot of restriction for people and, and makes them feel, like the outer restrictions or your inner restriction. Then we talked a little bit about quantum physics that, in the beginning of our our talk before we hit the go button, that really uh, you have a lot more power to your your circumstances than you think.
1: Absolutely. Well, and just look at I mean, look at some of the things that people have been able to accomplish. Whether you go back hundreds of years, hundreds of years to like Edison or Henry Ford,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or you look at what Musk has done with Tesla, what he's trying to do. terms of building a rocket ship to Mars. Like, is that (laughs) a conversation we're really having? Yes, it really is. Mm -hmm. And so it's a question of when I think of the quantum world and quantum physics, it is the ultimate science of resourcefulness and science of imagination. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to this idea that everything you need is within you now to make it transform your life. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see something outside yourself differently, Change yourself, change how you look at things and and the world you see will change. And that's, even if you live in a city where everyone is on top of one another, you still have that power within you and Mm -hmm. trying to change the outside world without addressing the inside world is a recipe Mm -hmm. for frustration. And we see that time and time again, and it's, it's kind of this crazy eight infinity loop where you get angry about something Mm -hmm. and we know the nervous system can only hold on to anger for so long. And then what happens is you become depressed Mm -hmm. and then you can only hold on to depression for so long. It goes back to anger and it just repeats. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that all you need is within you now, that allows you to step up into belief in yourself to access a higher resourcefulness within you.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And to realize actually your life could be better. Where is the recipe in this that could make my life even better than it was? Because one thing I said, and before this whole thing happened, my husband was sick for about a year and I took a pause from doing podcasting. And I thought this is really good for me to pause on, on what I'm doing and take a little rest period. And I think that if you didn't just get sucked into watching TV around the clock and or the news cycle, um, that can make you lose your mind, uh, you it gave you greater time for pause to be like, okay, what do I want in life? And I found a lot of people, especially younger folks, were just like, do I want this for the next 40 years where I'm doing a job I hate? Or, you know, there was a time for pause where you could begin to ask those questions in, inside of yourself, like, where do I see myself? What, what do I wanna be? What do I desire in life? And then that allows for you to actually make those um, internal changes that will affect the, External changes.
1: Well, and and we saw that, right? It was mm-hmm. I think during the Great Resignation, thirty-eight percent of the workforce voluntarily resigned. I mean, that is mm-hmm. staggering. And mm-hmm. Now there's this. What I don't remember. What it's like quitting to leave work or whatever. But like people are just sort of like <laughs> doing the minimum to get by until yeah. people say, "Okay, you're done." And mm-hmm. you know, there's talk of a recession, although now I heard guys gas prices are going down. But mm-hmm. it is, it's a it's a fundamental shift. And really what it speaks to in my mind is you can have a fixed mindset, hoping that you can stay the exact same person mm-hmm. and you're going to navigate an ever-changing world successfully, or you can have a growth mindset and look at every challenge that comes your way as an opportunity for growth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And everyone likes surprises when the surprise is fun and when the surprise is good. When the yeah. surprise is a challenge, though, we call it a problem. Well, it's it's again that comes back to your perspective. Is it a problem? or is it an opportunity to shift and grow and learn? And mm. certainly, I grew up, you know when I looked back at my dad as he went through his career, i was I had the impression that he was who he was the entire time, and he kind of just went through life and mm. I didn't really see him grow. And I'm not saying he didn't, but I just didn't see it. And so that's kind mm. of what I thought my model of the world was and what i and i adopted that for decades and then what i came to realize over the last 10 years or so was growth is constant because change is constant mm-hmm. and if you look at it that as i don't want to grow because it hurts or it's hard or it's painful mm-hmm. then that's the experience that you're going to bring into your life if on the other hand you say you know what life is an adventure and you know talking about quantum physics i just read something that one Uh, scientists just created the first man-made wormhole in Mm. a computer. So, and the idea between wormholes or the the idea around wormholes is that you can travel between black holes in space, Mm -hmm. even though we've never done it, but they tested it about 10 days ago and we can do it in a computer, which means eventually we'll figure out how to do it in real life. But it's the collapse of space-time, which is fascinating. The other fascinating thing is quantum computing is probably two years from being a reality. And what that means is classic computing is binary. So you have Mm -hmm. a zero or a one. Mm -hmm. Well, quantum computing, it's a zero and a one at the same time. And what what they're saying now is quantum computing will solve problems that classical computing could not Mm -hmm. solve in a trillion lifetimes. Mm. I mean, it is ridiculous. So think about what that means for our species, if we are going to be able to solve problems that we couldn't even fathom would exist, and that's just two years away, more change is coming. Like That is going to be a huge change because what is the effect of learning something on that scale on human comprehension?
4: Yeah. And for me, the greatest computer ever is our brain that we don't even use most of. Yeah. And there was a movie that was fascinating about it called Lucy. It was a uh, yeah. So I was like, yes, if you could, yes. yeah, I remember that. I was just like, wow, I would love to be able to tap into more of that potential, but you know, this has been a fabulous uh, um interview and chat. I'm hoping it'll broaden people's, um, mind and understanding that there's so much more for them if they go within, uh, and, and not try to force change on the outside. But I don't want us to leave without everyone finding out how they can get a copy of all your books, uh, work with you, do yoga with you, wherever they might be, uh, share all that with them.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Chris. I really appreciate the time with you. Uh, so I'm David Richards author on Instagram. Uh, you can go to Facebook and it's lifting the hammer and uh, that ties into my next into uh, love letters. Um, and then I'm also David Richards author.com online. You can schedule me for coaching for speaking events. Uh, um, I have done some virtual yoga, so I'm always open to that as well. But uh, happy to connect with your audience.
4: Awesome. Well, David Richards, thank you so much for coming today to share your great wisdom with our savvy audience. Thank you.
3: It was my pleasure. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to www.lifeunscriptedradio.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.